Goodsies. Folks at home and listening abroad, wherever you are, we are joined in the How Goods This studio by none other than the Magic Fingers himself, Mr. Eric Krasno. Folks, wow. Eric, how you doing, baby? I'm great, man. I'm great, you know. I don't know if I've ever called you Eric. (laughs) Not only my mom. I didn't even know know? that was your name. And my <laughs> and my wife when she's mad at me. Mm. That's that's Ooh. that's when Eric comes out. She'll drop an Eric. What's your middle name, Eric? Peter. Peter. Eric Peter if Krasno. If I do something EPK. really messed up, it's Eric Peter Krasno. Mm. That's when I'm really fucking up. Our, Damn. So you have a brother. How many siblings yes. do you have, Kras? Uh, well, I have a I have a stepbrother. Oh. Um, through marriage, who's younger than me, John O. But, but my, I agree, you know, my brother, Jeff, is, you know, we're the, the two blood brothers. Again, growing up, were you both considered Kraz? Like, was that your nickname was Kraz? I was Little Kraz. Little Kraz. Okay. Yeah. When did so you graduate bro- to Big Kraz? Uh, when, I, when he and I were in different schools, you uh, know, I, I ended up going away to school uh, in high school to like a weird boarding school. I mean, it was awesome actually, like way up in the woods in Vermont. And that's when I became Kraz. Cause when I, we were in the same school system in our hometown, I was little Kraz. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you just started shredding the gnar on the old get fiddle, <laughs> they were like, ain't nothing little about this guy. When did you out my, and when did you outgrow your brother? Cause you're taller than he is. I am taller than my brother. I guess that must've been like, you know, mid high school days. Mm. Um, but you know, he's like almost six years older than me. So there, it took a while for me, you know, to, I mean, he used to like kick my ass when I was a kid. Oh yeah. He, As he was also a musician or he is a, a great musician. So like, you know, that was my thing when I was a kid, um, his, him and his friends would be jamming in my basement. And that was like what I just wanted to hang, you know, I was right. like, and so I pick up the instrument and I would suck and they'd be like, go practice that thing. And I'd go try to practice and come back and they'd tell me I sucked again. And <laughs> I learned, I learned stairway, bro. Check how, it out. how, how, how old were you when you actually picked it up? Uh, I had a bass first when I was like 13, I think. And then 14 is when I got into guitar. Uh, before that I was like messing around. Like, you know, I think I took a piano lesson or two. Uh, when I was a really young kid, my mom, my mom thought I was like, you know, gifted or musically talented for some reason. And, uh, and, uh, gave me, got me Suzuki violin lessons. I don't know if you know that it's like where you, you learn it like with your parent. Oh wow! And huh. I was like three years old, Whoa. but uh, yeah, I forget the song. But it was like it was like uh, uh, hot cross buns, and I I started. They were they they would have you sing. I can play my violin. I can play my violin. And I was going. I can break my violin. And I wanted to break it. And my mom was like, "Okay, let's not break that. <laughs> That's expensive." Um, yeah, it took me a minute though. It wasn't till like. Um, I actually was Led Zeppelin. It's funny that you mentioned Stairway. It was like Led Zeppelin was the shit where I was like, oh man, I want to learn that. I want to like learn these songs. Mm. Uh, Cause up until then, you know, you like take music lessons and it's always like classical and hymns and mm. all these different things that I didn't really connect with. So it was like, like rock and roll, like Zeppelin, Hendrix, you know, there was that stuff. Who introduced you to that? Was it your older brother? Yeah. My brother was into that stuff. Although he was really into Van Halen. 
Mm. And and then like I kind of got into Zeppelin through a, a buddy of mine, you know, who who was like just into it and got me into it. I had another friend who was into Hendrix and I had like a Hendrix shrine in my room. I was like so into it. Uh, and then I was like, I got into hip hop kind of early too. I was into like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. So I was kind of, I was like doing, I was, I was in a talent show when a shit was like second or third grade. And I like wrapped the entire Beastie Boys, Paul, Paul Revere. I was into like break dancing and all that. How, I, yeah, I was just into all of it. How many how many phone numbers do we need to contact to get that footage? <laughs> That's a good question, man. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I also had. Do you guys remember? I think I'm older than you guys, but there was a guy named Brian Bosworth, the Boz, who was oh, like, hell yeah, bro, he played for the Seahawks. How he had this hair like with like the the buzzed out stuff. Oh, I yeah. had weird stuff with my hair. I had like weird buzzed out lines and probably had a rat tail and <laughs> all the everything bad about the 90s let's bring them back dude let's bring back the rat tails i'm trying uh, to do that you know dude. i would maybe go bosworth lines <laughs> but uh but you I, but i used to rock the jams and, it's, and i skateboarded i was like i didn't know what i was i was mm. like into skateboarding hip-hop you were tie-dyes, but it's Zeppelin. I didn't know. Bro, didn't you were know. Cu- cultural camouflage. You were just trying to fit in, get in where you fit in, you know? Yeah, I, I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure it out. But yeah, my brother had a band, though, and they used to practice in the basement, and that's what got me into wanting to play. What you know? uh, wh- is there a member of your family that's musical? Like where, because yeah. part of me doesn't understand people who are super good at music that don't come from some sort of musical background they're like oh i'm my my mom is like works at the heiko and my dad um he's a radio dj like there's there's just even rhythm to me feels so genetic do you have that in your family yeah my dad's dad was a professional musician oh played like gypsy music played violin played piano and he played like gypsy jazz Wow, um, where would and, I go to? Uh, who, who, who you uh, can actually find? He he's a little bit hard to find, but he made a few records. His it was Lou Krasno and the Gypsy Gems. Dude, oh, wait, that is so cool, man! But it was kind of cool because he he would also like take popular songs and make them Gypsy style. Like he did Beatles songs and like other pop songs. <laughs> And uh, he had his little crew of guys in in the Bay Area, and he had an interesting life. He was a surgeon and a doctor for most of his life quit in his 50s shut the fuck to be up. a musician yeah wow. no I mean, way. he always he always played music but he like later in life was like i just want to do this you know and he you know he wasn't like hugely famous from that but like in his little scene he was he was known so when would he have been a surgeon what year would that have been oh man that's like a big question 30s or 40s like 40 40s and 50s yeah wow, and 60s man. He was making records and doing his thing. Yeah, you imagine how I think that's right. You imagine how intense surgery would have been in the forties. Yeah, like yeah. I guess that is post morphine and the ability to like (laughs) subdue pain, but. Yeah, oh still. man, just like I guess, just lop it off, dude. And he's like, just <laughs> lop it on off. <laughs> yeah, you know, unfortunately, I haven't done a ton of research on like what his what his profession was like. You know, he was really he was pretty old. You know, by the time I was playing music, he was he actually had Parkinson's, and mm, uh, so like I didn't get to play with him. He also lived in California, and I grew up on the East Coast. But um, I it's it's crazy because a lot of his friends that he played with 
later on I played with or played around and they would all like tell me that I had the similar like inflections and oh, cool. and I never played with him and I didn't get to listen to him a ton because I actually finally found his records on eBay in the last like decade I started searching to find his records um cuz cuz you couldn't find it on online or whatever uh, and I can hear hear that but it's funny because I was. It's not like I actually learned from him or anything. Wild. Yeah, That's it's a weird thing. Weird. There was a couple guys that like his his friends that he played with that saw me play and they were like crying. This one guy, and uh, my dad tells me that too. Is that because because my dad is a great player. He never was a professional player and didn't even read music really or anything. He just plays totally by ear, but plays piano. Mm-hmm. and like mandolin and can play by ear though like he'll play along with like records and he can figure stuff out but has no idea like musically what's you know what's going on really you know that's how i feel when i'm in the same room with musicians like you Kraz. as like uh yeah I, that guy knows what's happening right now and i'm just like <laughs> i'm just standing here and just like trying not to fuck it up i'm I'm just like you have so much natural talent and ability that it doesn't it's almost bet it's like whenever i've played chord changes for you you sing exactly with not even like like even better than i would think of you know what i mean you have such great instincts and uh i was really amazed working with you like in the studio and stuff because you were like i don't really know what's going on but you can hear it all yeah, I'm just flying blind, man. Fly, uh, a blind squirrel fly, finds a nut every so often, Kraz. <laughs> You're finding a lot of nuts. Yeah, <laughs> crazy, baby. Um, so you just recently moved to LA. You you did most of your musical development career in on the East Coast in New York City, and now you've been in LA, California for the last year, right? Two yeah, and a half, so. uh, it was two years now, two, actually, just two, over two years. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm curious to know or to hear from you your perspective on both places. Is there one? I mean, I'm sure you love both of the spots, but like, what is it like coming into LA from a East Coaster's perspective? Well, I I'm glad that I spent my earlier years in New York because there's a certain like fire in New York. Um, even though it's the coldest place yeah. ever, but like, you know, there's just a certain grind, you know, part of it is the weather. Part of it is the, the atmosphere. Um, it, it's just that the, 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 the living is so much harder there. Mm. That's the thing. But that's the thing is like, you want to be working all the time because there's nothing else. To, it's like in, in California, it's like so beautiful all the time and it's a way better place to live. I'll, I'll give you the truth. Um, but you know, it's a little bit more, um, you know, every day you wake up, it's beautiful outside. You want to go for a hike. You want to go to the beach. You want to go do mm. this. You want to go to go do that. So it's like harder to get work done. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, a lot more but, distracting. And, and then also in New York City, you know, you can do like four or five sessions in a day because the train moves. Like I can get places in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. You know, in in LA, I feel like you know you're, you're in your little niche, partly because to get across town and back is a, like a day. Like people in LA always say, "I can do one thing a day. I can yeah. go the West Side, and then I got to wait for traffic to die down, and I can come back." Yeah. Or vice. So you kind of find your people in your local little 
scene and that's it. I feel, I feel like when I was in New York, you know, I could the the as a 20 in my 20s and 30s, like going out every night, I could go to the Blue Note and then one in the same night go to like the Beacon Theater and see some like a whole like the Allman Brothers. And I could see like Sonny Rollins that night and then mm. I could like go to the studio and like qualities in the studio till five in the morning and I'm in there with him. So I had great, you know, especially because I came from this eclectic upbringing of like listening to so many different types of music. It was so cool for me to be able to be around so much of that, mm. you know, and soul live got to be part of the blue note records world. And there was such a cool thing going on there, but I was also like into hip hop and got to be around the whole like raucous records era. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but that was like a huge thing in New York city in the late nineties. Um, and got to be like around the electric lady, like studio world that was going on. Mm. So like, I feel like the timing, uh, of, for me to be in New York was so cool and crucial for, for me to like learn from all these amazing mm. people, you know? And I think my, my world in LA is much more like I have my family here. I have my studio, in the backyard where I can, you know, I can spend most of my time in my flip flops and like people it's around, there's enough music going on here and musicians here that, um, it's great for collaboration, Mm. but, uh, I wouldn't say like, I don't go out (laughs) really Mm -hmm. much here, you know? And then I, you know, half of my time here has been during COVID. Mm. Um, so, but which like, you know, I, I hike and, and take walks every day and get on my bike. And so I'm really glad that I was here during that. Too, yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Would have been a different experience if you're in <clears throat> New York city. What is the, is there a personality, uh, like a typical personality trait in between both spots? Is there like a, do you think that the warmer weather just makes people a little bit more, I don't want to say flaky, but like it's harder to pin folks No, down? you can say flaky. You can yeah. say, say, so here's the funny thing about that is you always hear about like, oh, LA is flaky. And, you know, you'd think it's like, oh, people from LA are flaky. No, it's like when you live here, you're flaky because <laughs> you walk outside getting ready to go to some shit and then you look up and you're like, oh man, it's really those trees, man. Oh, we can just chill out over here. You know what I mean? And the weed's amazing. So like half the people are like smoking this amazing weed, walking out of their house and then going, let's see, should I get in my car and sit in traffic right. for two hours right. or just like look at this tree, you know? Yeah. I like or, <laughs> or like make music in my house. Right. So like I guess what happened was I got here and people were really flaky and then I started realizing like I don't blame them. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, they make these plans to do all this shit. For me, I just make less plans. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm just you. like, okay, I'm going to do this this day. I'm going to do this that day. Um, but uh, I think what's happened in recent times, now that people can build their own studios, like I've moved into this, like there's so many houses here with studios. This right. house had a studio built in the backyard no before I moved in because um, the film industry is here, the music industry. And uh, so many people are making me that I feel like that's really helped the L.A. scene mm. because now like there's so many cool little studios, like every block I meet like musicians that like are building these cool little studios and making music and um, putting out music right. and like there's there's a lot of cool scenes like kind of coming up in LA now. Do you, you know? do do you think that you could have lived there before? Because I think having 
being a person who's established now in your career and going out to LA consciously because of the career that you've created mm. over the decades of time that you've put your time in, do you think you could have lived there like say 10, 15 years ago and tried to like come up in the same way? Well, it's funny you asked, Julian. <laughs> well, because I actually did live here in oh, like wow. 2005 or six. So Adam Deitch and I um, pre- were, you know, hustling as producers back then, as well as being in our bands. And we didn't actually sign with Interscope, but we were working with Interscope uh, as our managers. We placed a couple tracks. We did a thing for Snoop Dogg, and we d- got on a Cur- uh, the Curtis Fifty Cent album. And oh, wow. so when we were like placing some of these tracks, we moved out here to kind of like get into the scene, uh, and was working with some great people, you know. And but it was uh, I-, I realized for me that you know, one, I was like kind of starting over in that world. And meanwhile, like Soul Live and Lettuce was like doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, I would, I kind of got to a point where I had to choose between like being in my bands, you know, Uh, where I was part of the artistry or like really deciding to become like an LA like producer. mm. Um, and you know, I kind of realized during that time that, not that I was like disposable, but it was like they were, you know, there was a lot of people doing that and a lot of, and it was, it wasn't really about me. You know what I mean? It was about getting this thing done. You know, it's like, okay, here's the business we're trying to create. Here's what we need to create that. Um, and I remember I did a lot of waiting around, like you said, like the, and, and I'm not saying those people were flaky to me on purpose, but you know, they didn't, it, it was like, uh, there was a lot of sessions. There was a specific incident where I was waiting. I was supposed to be working with Dr. Dre and his team. And I was basically like out here, like staying different places, planning to move, but hadn't made, fully made the move. And when they finally got the session ready, I was like on the way to the airport to go do like my New Year's run with Soul Live. And we had like sold out shows. I think we had the 930 Club, like Irving Plaza, a couple other. And, um, I remember trying to explain to them that I couldn't, I was like, I got shows and they're like, shows, what are you you talking about? I'm like, I'm in a band or we do shows. And they're like, well, get someone else. I'm like, Uh, we can't, I'm like in the band. There's three of us, uh, you know? And because the scenes were so different at that time and you know, no Instagram or no anything. So I, it was like two different worlds I was living in, you know, that was like, one was like trying to make it in this like pop hip hop, world and then one was like soul lives world which was somewhere between jazz and jam band and you know we didn't you know but we had like a good following and i realized that you know one was like if i went to the studio and did that session um you know they could probably replace me in five minutes or like if i didn't you know whereas the soul live they like those people were there buying tickets to see me you know or us you know what i mean and whereas the i was replaceable in this other scenario um but i I, what i realized during that time was that i needed i wanted to move back here eventually for my lifestyle um but i need i had more more to do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i had more to do on the east coast and then after that like being a part of like the brooklyn bowl kind of thing and building this like community and then like oh then again then of course a few years after that that started to fall apart and a lot of the people i was working with moved and then it just felt like time 
um, by the, by a couple of years ago to move out here. Um, but I'm really glad that I moved back and, and soul live, like started doing like these residencies and kind of, and then I started doing these things, the blue note where, um, I got to work with so many great artists where I got to meet Alan for the first time. And, um, we, we kind of like shifted gears into this whole other thing as like a house band, but also like creating with new artists and, um, I'm really like thankful for that time period. Uh, but yeah, I think now I'm, I'm really glad to be here, um, and to have my studio. And then also like during COVID, it's been like, I've been able to collaborate with people via satellite and do the podcast and, and like work from home, which has Mm. been something that I probably would not have really focused on if, if it hadn't been for this time, you know, in terms of like creating, these things to do at home, Mm. you know, which has been nice, especially with having a young kid. Hey folks, today our episode is brought to you in part by our good friends at Ladder Coffee. Head to laddercoffee.com and you can order beans directly from the brewer, as well as some of this beautiful cold brew. Locally owned and operated out of Spokane, Washington. Check it out. Ladder Coffee. I'm jacked. You've been, ever since I've known you, Kraz, you've been a road, you've been a pavement slapper. (laughs) Like you're not a road dog. You're like a road ferret, dude. You like, you travel more than any human I've ever met in my life. And I've kind of always been on that tip. And I've noticed since this pandemic and everything sort of slowed down, like how two things have happened. For the first six months, I was like, oh, like, wow, I I don't think I'm ever going to go back to traveling as much as I did. And then now a year, like the six months after that, I was like, I kind of want to go travel a little bit, but I can't. Do you, what's your perspective on that? You've constantly been a traveler and now you're like, you're like home. You've got a new, new kid. Um, you're married, uh, do you miss the road at all? Do you desire that lifestyle a little bit still? Or are you just like so amped to, to be able to be 15 feet away from a Keurig machine and like your big screen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I was talking about this this morning because I am a homebody. I love being home. And even like, you know, I do a lot of traveling with, with production, with, with recording and, and being a producer and a writer or whatever. And even that I like, I have been loving just not only being able to work in my sweatpants and my slippers, mm-hmm. but also to have my own gear and listen on my own speakers. And when mm. someone wants me to, when I'm putting guitar on something or creating, I have my guitars and mm. my pedals and my synth and having all those luxuries of home on so many levels have been great. Like I've been, and I also love cooking and I love doing all that stuff. So I, I love being home. Um, and I love creating from home. I'm just now starting to get a little bit of cabin fever. I think mm. part of that too, is that like the, we can't even go out and like eat at a restaurant. So I think right. when that opens up it, but, but I, I think I'll, and I do miss playing live shows, but, uh, I don't know if I'll ever go back to the pace that I was at before. I think that, uh, um, when things, when things go back, uh, I'll probably pick and choose, um, a little more and not necessarily, you know, when I make a record, I'll go out and 
and do shows and try to support that record. But I don't know if I'll be, you know, pounding the pavement in the same way. Wasn't it always the goal though, to, to like get to that point where you could be able to pick and choose when you got to go out and do it? Or were you always in the interest of I'm all, I'm forever road dog, like for the rest of my life, dude, I always wanted this. I mean, that was kind of why I moved to LA back in 2006 or Mm. whatever you know, was like trying to to kind of pave that path. But, you know, it's like you never know how you're going to get there. Um, But I think some of it is like the the lockdown, the pandemic has forced me to create these avenues, you know, and I'm still haven't really figured it out. I would, you know, to as far as like figuring out how to make make money and make a, you know, because that was the thing is like the I always wanted to be producing full time, but you know, you got to tour. It's, it's like, I love touring also to a certain degree, but more like the musical part mm. and like being with my friends and playing shows. The travel has never been, you know, something I loved. Mm. I like hanging out in cool cities. Don't get me wrong, but like the, the buses, the, the planes, the, um, yeah. like, you know, the health side of it, my body was like definitely getting beat up by being on the road. So I, but I think like, and, and that'll be interesting to see how, cause I feel I've been seeing so many artists start new things. You guys start in this podcast, you know, I started podcasting and, you know, I've been working with uh, this producer, Otis McDonald, and we started out just doing a song. Now we like make music like all the time together. We have this, we use this thing called pedal where we can create through our studios and record together almost cool. in like real time. Oh, wow. It's been like awesome so you know it's also i've found new ways to collaborate so i'm I'm curious to see how all these artists that i've been watching like pivot in all these ways how things will change um when touring comes back and if like some of this streaming and all this stuff we've been doing is going to sustain because some of it might some people might choose just to do it that way or at least like a hybrid of the two you know yeah yeah i think uh I hope a hybrid of the two happens because being away from it, I, I, the touring and the travel and the road, it like this far away from it doesn't seem sustainable. Like the right. amount of touring that I was doing for 10 plus years, now having a year at home with, I mean, especially like bringing a child into the picture is like a completely yep. different thing, but just like sustainable on my body period it was like man that's like a it's the music is the reason why it's even viable right because you get to play a show and that's like oh this is amazing like this is the highest you get but the actual attrition is in the travel like yeah that's the work i've heard i've heard i've heard touring musicians say this several times like, yeah, you don't pay me to play music. I'd do that for free. You pay me to travel. Right. Like, right. I'm a paid traveler. I'm not going to... I would never go to Omaha ever, right? Right, Like, right. you're paying me to come there <laughs> and do the thing that I would just normally be doing. And so, right. I think for, our, you know, my specific uh, perspective since this COVID situation is like, oh, there's other ways to, like, continue to connect with people other than, like, right. standing right in front of them and to flex those muscles and learn those technologies has been like a real fun exploration, especially seeing my friends do it too. Like, God, the, the, the interviews that you've had on your podcast, Kraz are just like, it's so cool that somebody's doing that 
uh, in the music industry that's an actual musician. Not There's not yeah. too many people who are doing it that are like actual musicians. There's it's like radio DJs and radio personalities, but like an actual human being that can play an instrument and knows music is such a cool perspective to come through. Yeah, and I don't think it would have happened on the same level if there wasn't the time to dedicate, you know. Mm. And I and it's funny because um watching you guys do this has been the same thing. It's like been really inspiring for me. And I've always known like how funny you are or both of you guys are and like We've had such great laughs together. And anyway, so it's like, it's just been like fun Fishy. to watch. Fishy. <laughs> I mean, you and I, you and I pretty much, we went to Mexico together. I'm just, I got to just Tell talk it. about Tell this it. trip because it was one of the greatest trips of, I was one of the, I don't think I've laughed that much for a solid five or six days. Alan and I went to Mexico. Well, Swati to, was in the mix too. And Swati's hilarious. And <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that was where I got to know. I mean, I knew both of you guys at that point, but we left like bros for life. Yeah. It was just so, um, a and- lot of tequila, a lot of just messing around. And we actually did write some songs. We went down there to <laughs> we like, actually did do something. <laughs> yeah, we, were- <laughs> we did write some songs, but oh man, we laughed a ton. Oh, we wow. laughed so hard. I, yeah. and one of those tunes, actually, Swati was sending me. One of the tunes that we had written, I mean, what was that, five years ago that we d- yeah, went down was, there? We, there was some wow. good stuff in there, actually. There yeah, there's a bunch, stuff in there. bunch of good stuff. And I think one of the tunes is actually going to see the light of day. Like the last, yes. I don't know if you <laughs> have listened to any of the, like the last takes on, um, I forget what the name of the original song was. Uh, yeah, he sent it to me. I played on yeah. like whatever the newer version. I played on the the final version. It okay. definitely went through some some changes, but it's it's killing. It's a killing, it's killing. track. I'm I'm stoked yeah. that that something from that trip is going to see the light of day be, right. beyond like the three the years that I shaved collapse. off my life. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Yeah, oh, crazy. that was so much fun though. Um, but yeah, that's see that. Here's the thing, man. Is like. I the parts that I miss about traveling and being on the road I are the shows mm. and just the people, man, yeah. the hangs. The camaraderie. You know, it's just, you know, when you're out there on the road, the great thing um, about it is is that, you know, generally the people we're playing music with are also our good best friends. Right. Yeah. You know, so um, that's why we have the best job and why as much as I complain about the travel – the fact that I get to make music with my friends uh, is the greatest job I could ever imagine. It's bonkers. You know? Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. bonkers. And I take it as a privilege that we're experiencing something like this in 2021 versus like 1918, right? We have the capability yeah. now. Right, right. My my life, the only thing that's changed in my life really is that like I am not living out of a suitcase anymore. Right. So, I've been able to play music. I've been able to connect with my friends. I've been able to make music and make content and, uh, you know, not that many, uh, not that many terrible things have happened or changed in my life since this pandemic. Um, other than just like, it's just been had the space to learn, which has been super cool. What have you like, what have you taken from this pandemic or learned from this pandemic that you were like, Oh, wow. I had no, idea that that was going to be a lesson i would learn at 
uh, Man, this stage in my I, life. I've packed so many of those into this year because mm. we had a baby, we got married. And, mm. um, so a lot of, I mean, the part, part of it is, and you know, it's so cliche, but it's like that those moments with your family and building your family and mm. building the home mm. is so, it's everything, man. Mm. You know, it's like, I used to see, you know, musicians like quit music altogether. Of course, that's not me. I get too much. I have so much fun making music and that light will never go out, mm. you know, not to be cheesy, but like you meet most, a lot of people my age, you know, I'm 44 that have been doing music as long as me are jaded. And I get that, but I, so I'm never going to be that guy. However, the other things are so important and mm. you know it's like musicians forget that sometimes you know yeah. and like i have a lot of very close friends that and no sh don't i'm not throwing shade uh toward to them but you know um that will never have that and i'm just so thankful that i've been able to find the the woman to raise a child with and to like build a home, you know, that was something I always wanted. Um, so that's been like, it's been reinforcing this year, like how those little things, like, like we talked about in the beginning, like your kid, like gut laughing for the first time mm. and being around for that is, has been so crucial. Um, and then just like learning new skills, you know, like a lot of different things, that I'd like, I, I had, there's like this never ending list in my brain that I'm like, Oh, I really want to like learn how to like edit video. Mm. But like, I never really had the reason to, mm. you know? And, but now that I'm like here and I'm in my studio, it's like, I've been learning like some video editing stuff and, you know, trying to get better at keyboards, get better at drums, be able to like really make records in here by myself. Mm. Um, it's it, the, all these things that were kind of like before you would get someone else to do it. Um, or, or, you know, or be forced to do that. Um, it's been, it's been like really cool to have the time to like work on those things. And, yeah. Um, I, I kind of, know. it's, I, it's not only like the time necessarily, cause we always had the time, right? It's like what this particular year has allowed me was, was, um, I constantly felt like oh, if I don't take this next gig, if I don't keep my wheels spinning, then like somebody else is going to come and take my spot and then I'm not going to be able right. to get that spot again. They're going to take my gig. They're going to take my yeah. gig. And this year, is the blessing of this year has been that like nobody's got the gig anymore, right? right. And so we're all right. like at even playing field, which is allowing you to learn how to edit video and like get back to the drums and play the keyboards and raise a family and not i don't know if you've ever felt that way but for me personally it was always like oh i i get the freedom now to like learn all these things that i've wanted to know and learn and yeah and stretch for for many years it's cool man because i've since i've known you um uh which i think i met you in 2012 i've always sort of looked at you as like like this older brother figure in the music industry because you've had so much more time in the industry than I have. Yeah. And you're just like beyond talented. And also too, you're like one of the sweetest humans alive. Like mm -hmm. you, from the moment I met you, Kraz, there was this, this kinship that I felt with you where I've met older people in the industry that I get along with, but they never treated me like right away. 
like a homie, right? Right, right, right. And it's cool to hear you talk about your child because that's the one thing I hold a little bit of a seniority over you with because <laughs> yeah, my child yeah. is a little bit older. And yeah. all I can tell you is like the joy you're experiencing right now gets a hundred times better. Yeah. It's like my son is two. Yeah. About to be two at the end of this month. And it's like fun. It's the funnest thing ever <laughs> to like interact with him now. Cause yeah. How old's your, your baby? Six months. Six months. So about like about to be six. Yeah. So right now is it's starting to be a two way street, right? Like, there's some yeah. lanes opening on the other side of the, the freeway, but like primarily for those first eight months, it's just a one way street where you're just like, you're just like, Hey, I'm going to help change the poop and then feed yeah. and then sleep. And, and the only thing you're getting back is just like the, the joy that you've got a child into the world. Right, but then right. when they start like sending stuff back, right? Like they start laughing and then, oh, yeah. oh and then communicating is like, Bro, it's 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 another planet. It's just like, uh, I cannot. I keep saying, can't wait till he starts like speaking and stuff. I actually saw a video that that uh, your wife posted of of him playing drums, and that got me so stoked. <laughs> yeah, bro. Because it's like because uh, Lewis, I bring him in here, and like he like holds the stick, but like if I'm playing drums, he's just so fascinated. Or like when I have, take his hand and I put it on a keyboard and it mm. makes this sound so he gets the connection of it but man i can't wait to like jam with my kid it's gonna mm. be the greatest yeah we got him ever. we got him uh the quest love pocket kit <laughs> yes. by ludwig and yeah. it's interesting actually because like what uh i wish i would have started on drums yeah um i wish i would have started on drums and then gone to keyboards yeah. And then I feel like I would have found my way to guitar. Yeah, yeah. As a music producer, what do you think the obviously any path is any path, but like if there yeah. was a theory on which path you should take first, what is yeah. that? Is it keyboards? Is it I, violin? I, you know, I wish that I really focused on keyboard or like learned keyboards first, mm. to be honest. Just because in the current age of production like keyboards can sound like when you know your way around a keyboard, you can make any sound right. <laughs> pretty much. And it's, and that's only going to get better over time. Right. So like, you know, MIDI information is recorded by a keyboard and then turned into anything. So, yeah. but I also think it's a foundation that's great to learn in terms of harmony and stuff. And you know, like when you're sitting down at a keyboard to like, you can, you know, for arranging, whether it's vocals or strings or whatever. But I also, I agree that drums, are important in, in percussion and, and rhythm. Like I already have gotten him like little percussion sets and like mm. things that he's not even old enough to really mess with yet. But, um, but yeah, I think it's the, I think you're probably right. Like percussion, piano. Um, but I, I think I, what I think is going to happen is I just got to have the instruments around. I can't force it on him and just yeah. see where he, see where he ends up. He might just want to like, you know, paint or who knows what he may do. He may want to be a doctor, but, uh, I'm going to at least have the instruments available. Right. Because I also think back to like when I was a kid having, I did have instruments around my house and like, that was so cool. It was so fun to like mess around with them. You know, I didn't have like a studio to record in mm. per se, but, um, yeah, I'm excited for all of that. And, and like, 
you know, that's the thing is that I just don't want him to take it so seriously. Like I love being around families that make music. And I think Mm. that's so cool, whether it's like singing together. And I know you had some of that. Um, but like Adam Deitch was someone that I've known since high school. And I remember going to his house and and seeing him like jam with his parents. And it was like the coolest Mm. thing to be around. And I had that a little bit, you know, my, my, you know, we would just mess around in my house, but like they would make real music at his house. They'd be like recording sessions and dad on piano, mom on drums and Deitch playing, you know, percussion or they'd switch it up. And, um, being around that was so cool. And, yeah, I've just always wanted that that family band kind of vibe. Mm. <laughs> Dude, that's cool. You have like this – it's interesting, man, because I, I haven't known you nearly as long as Alan. I've, I've only gotten to spend a little bit of time with you. But in, in that time and just even talking to you now, you have this like spirit around music and your career that's so – rooted in like positivity and and gratitude and you talk about not being like jaded as like a guy who's been in the industry for so long and it and it is very apparent that you're not that thing and i wonder because i know a lot of young aspiring musicians listen to this podcast because they're like oh i love alan stone and i want to be like that guy someday and i just wonder like how how did you navigate being like how did you steer away from that and you're I don't know a lot of musicians, but you seem to be one of the most connected, dialed-in musicians I certainly know of. You know everybody. You've worked with everybody. You've had this, like, epic career, and you've maintained this, like, not only integrity, but, like, positive headspace throughout the whole entire thing, it seems to be. And I wonder, like, did you have some, like, times where it was just fucking awful for you and you were actually feeling jaded and is that why you can be where you're at now or how did you navigate all that i I think i'm fortunate like in a lot of ways but i think it comes back to well you know my family was always like supportive you know what i mean my mom's an artist my dad was in education they both were educators but my mom like painted and made art my dad was so into music his dad was a musician so it being around me but you know i think the biggest thing for me is that i'm a fan you know, I'm a music fan. Like when I I reached out to Alan to work together because I got like the goosebumps the first time I heard him yeah. sing, you know? And the fact is that I find myself in this amazing position to work with people I'm fans of, you know? So like and that never left. I didn't all of a sudden become not a fan. Mm. You know what I mean? So as I got to tour with like everybody, I got so lucky, you know, also my timing of being in a band at the time that I was in, I got, we got to open for Ray Charles and open for the mm. stones and like wow. play with Stevie wonder and like all these things that like were so incredible that I could never even imagined as a kid when I listened to those records by all those people Mm. so like i was just so fascinated as all that was happening i was also just staring at these people going holy shit you know and uh i still do you know part of my podcast thing is that i get to be i get to like fanboy out you know what i mean um but it just so happens that I'm also a musician, so they they you know in certain cases open up to me, and we have a relationship based on that, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm just a fan. I, I love I listen to music constantly. I'm always listening to new music, you know. I think a lot of other guys my age they're like, oh, I don't listen to music that's new. I can't get down with that. I'm always listening to 
what's new. I don't always wow. get down with like mumble rap or whatever, mm, but sure. I'm going to listen to it. I want to know why my nieces listen to, you know, XXX Tenacion or whatever. I want to know why. And I actually like, sometimes I force myself to like it almost. Like I listen to it and, and then I go, Oh damn, that what melody's cool. Yeah. Or like this. Is, so I don't know, man. I, I'm just so fascinated by music. It's like this endless thing. Like I talk to people that are in their sixties and seventies and they still practice all the time. And it's like this constant, you can keep feeding off of it and keep searching for the next thing. It's endless. Do you think that you could, uh, like manufacture your career? If you had, if you, if you stopped giving a shit about music, could you even do it anymore? Or would, could, would you want to, if you didn't have that love for it and that fascination for it? No. And, and to be honest, I've tried, yeah. you know, because wow. I think that I've tried, like it, it, there was times where people expected things from me. And it goes back to the story I was telling you in LA. It was like a lot of those sessions were hard for me because I was expected to do something that didn't necessarily excite me when, and like, you know, we went through that with soul live because once soul live became something that was very successful at doing this thing, we, and, and we got bored with that. It was obvious we were bored with it. You know what I mean? So we had to keep evolving and changing. And I think that's hurt my career in a lot of ways because I've never, I'm all, like, every time I do something, it's a little different or a little bit. That's why I love being a producer too. Cause I get to work with so many different people and try different things all the wow. time. Um, but yeah, I don't think I could, uh, I can't really make music that I'm not like feeling, you wow. know, and I'm sure Alan, you can relate to that. It's like once it never feels right. And and then like, if you do end up putting that out, it's obvious to everyone else. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't really front at the end mm. of the day. Um, like your fans are, your fans are too smart for that. Your fans will know when you're phoning it in or trying to do something that doesn't fit right. You know, do you ever go through the stage where you initially are feeling something and then like after it's been released and it's out in the world, you aren't feeling it anymore? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Is that a normal like art experience you think? Uh, yeah, I do think so. I mean, you put a lot of pressure on yourself as an artist to make records and make records that you're going to love for a long time. I mean, but, you know, I think as you get older, you realize that those are all pieces, you know, puzzle pieces to the bigger picture, you know? Mm. Like, in fact, Soul Live is releasing, like, a 21st anniversary of, like, our wow. first recording that we did, like, in a garage or whatever. Oh, shit, and yeah. I listen back to it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I sound horrible. <laughs> but it's a piece to the history, mm. and, like, some people like it. I mean, that's the crazy thing is that music is completely objective. Right. You know what I mean? And I, that's why I always like playing music for my wife and, and, and because she's not a musician per se. She's a lover of music. But it, you know, sometimes as musicians, we get so heady. Yeah. You know, and it's, we get so compare it. We comparison oh, yeah. is really messed up in this day and age too. With you open your phone and you can see five bazillion singers that are that are amazing and guitarists that are shredding i mean i see 10 12 year olds a day shred me to pieces <laughs> on my instagram i doubt and that like, but yeah i know what you're you know saying. what i mean <laughs> so i think it's like it's all about how it makes you feel mm. in the end of the day and if it's making other people feel good or whatever um at the end of the day if you're going to go out and perform it every night and be inspired you have to love it 
you know yeah you gotta so, find a, you gotta find a way to look at it it's i yeah. i to this day have we'll put songs in the set list that if if you were to ask me in a closed room i don't like that song you know right. i have some sort of connection with that tune but the way i've found what i have done to find the ability to perform it is that it makes other people happy like right, i'm right. i'm able to how great of a asset to have that there's something that i've created that makes people joyful like that's right that's the greatest thing that you can have as a human being man um yeah do you uh so you you've you've always wanted a family that was kind of like always on your trajectory you know i always thought that i wanted it and i always was like when the right woman <laughs> is there mm. that 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 i that that will be the sign you know yeah. and i'm really glad that i waited or i mean i don't know if i waited on purpose it was just like um but the way you know i'd say in my like late 30s i started getting like kind of depressed and being like oh it's never gonna happen kind of thing yeah um because relationships were just never like quite working out the way i was hoping uh but I'm really glad that the timing has happened when it is now because um, I'm in a place where, A, I, I can be home more. You know what I mean? I probably would have made that decision earlier in life anyway, but now I'm more comfortable with that decision. Mm. Um, and just like health-wise too, like I've gotten a lot – I mean also that's like the pandemic thing is like I started cooking my own food and exercising and changing my lifestyle. And part of that was like do I want to be – you know, like unhealthy and decrepit when this kid, <laughs> I want to play ball with my kid and right. stuff, you know? So like that happening at this point in my life was good. You mm. know what I mean? Um, in terms of just like motivating me to be healthier and stuff. So, you know, yeah, I knew, I always knew I wanted that. I didn't know that I had the right situation for it and I wasn't going to like force it, you know? But uh, I guess like it is, it is true that like when you find someone that you, you know, when you know, you know, I guess like I even though like I thought there, I was confused by that so many times earlier in my life. Right. Um, right. Because you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I didn't know. And I was like, is this it? I, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, it could be it. I want this to be it. It was more like the want. To it to be it yeah did you because for for many years of my life i thought it was impossible i think prior to being out on the road and seeing men who yeah. were like faithful husbands and great fathers also exist on the road right right i was like oh shit it's possible whereas prior right. to like being on the road and being surrounded by good like men and faithful spouses good fathers I was like, yeah. this is not possible. You don't, what are you talking about? Dude? It's partying blow and boobies every night. Dude. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. um, was, was, was there a little bit of that when you were able to like yeah. get around? Well, folk? you know, I was fortunate cause soul live Neil and Al are like the greatest dudes ever, mm. you know, to be like that talented and have like such a great balance of like, they can hang, they can party, but they, they don't ever, they've always been faithful. And Al's like, you know, been the greatest dad. He has two like grown kids. Mm. Um, so I think like I, I was fortunate to have like great people around me. Um, you know, but yeah, you know, I've always had that, that drive though, to be like, you know, like when I was on the road, I'd always like try to find a studio like the day off or try to do something else like that. Now, 
you know, like if I'm not playing a show, I'm probably heading home. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like if I'm so I think like, but I'm glad that I had that time that I did that. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like because I had a lot more energy for that at, then. Um, and I never wanted to be the like absent dad, you know, that was, I always knew and not that like the guys around me were, but you know, I, I, um, I want to be there for like the big moments and I want to be there for when things are hard too. hopefully. Mm. Um, you know, so like, yeah, I, I, again, it's like, I think I was meant to have kids a little bit later. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm curious to see how things like because it's so funny because now I'm starting to get offers to do things, <laughs> and I'm I, I like get this wrench in my gut right. right now when I get offers because I'm like I don't want to go I don't really want so in like <laughs> but the money so, yeah the money the money is good <clears throat> you know it, I need the I do want that but yeah it's always I, it's, the, I, it's hard it's always the interesting catch twenty two about like shows and the the traveling and yeah because the money's great and you think about it like oh well, I'm gonna, i gotta play like an hour set like i'm gonna play an hour set and they're gonna pay me this much money to do that yeah like yeah oh, oh you don't think about like the okay well it's gonna take me like six hours to fly there and then like, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's it's actually three days so it's three days worth of work and, and like right you don't you just don't surmise of that. You're like, oh, what's the dollar of amount and like how long is the set? How many songs you need, you know? Right, um, right. I think that's going to be, I'm interested to see where I land on that too, man. Because um, yeah, I've always had the idea of like, well, if I go out, you know, I'll go out and it'll afford me the time to chill. Right. At home. Right. Well, what I've noticed during this pandemic is like, I don't chill well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Actually. Like I, I have to have a project. I have to be doing something. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm at home, I'm home at dinner like every night, but like, yeah. I can't just like, just like turn it off and sit. So there's, there's has to be some sort of balance that I find. I'm not positive where that sits uh, yeah. yet, but um, it would be nice. So your studio is just in the back of your house, like just yeah, same property, which is, which is pretty amazing. That's it's pretty amazing. So of rad. course, that like someone can, you know, my wife can just be, be like knock on the door, and be like, "Hey, what are you, what's going on?" And right, right, any right. moment. But I, I mean, honestly, I love that. But yeah, there, there's, there's some, there's some times where I'm like, I wish I just went somewhere. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, I love it, man. It's like I can come in whenever I'm inspired. I just made a new record uh, with Otis McDonald. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. Really like 90, really much all of it happened via the internet. So like I would lay down a demo with like an acoustic guitar and like, you know, percussion. He'd put drums and keys on it and I'd put like bass on it or he would. And then I'd, then I'd like maybe redo the vocal and then he would do like harmonies and we were created in this way that was like, I could be in my pajamas, Mm -hmm. you know? And And I, and I really got to like, it was funny because I kind of thought about it like, oh, I really got to spend the time, you know, to make this record right. But it wasn't even that. It was le- it was more like that the pressure there was like it was more like the pressure was off. It was like when you're in a studio and you got three days or whatever you're doing, oh, right. and there's tons of people around. It, it enabled me to get more done, and like a lot of it was the first take because I was relaxed and I was chilling and I had my sounds the way I wanted them. Um, so it was a, a cool experience to make a record that way. I've never done it quite like that, you know. 
um, you know, I've definitely worked in my own studios. I had a studio in Brooklyn, and I, but it was like in New York, you have a studio and it's like so expensive to have a studio. I always have to share with you guys came right. to the spot I had before. There was always like tons of people and yeah. you had to yeah. share it with people and schedule things. And so this has like been so nice to just like have my tones the way, like my drums are mic'd how I like them and mm. my pre's are set God. the right way and mm. everything just sounds killer you know what i mean and i i just turn it on and it's on yeah so uh wow. that's been like such a luxury man it's funny is it do you uh find yourself like setting up your own home studio like i didn't realize i had this much gear <laughs> dude it was funny because i moved when i moved to la i had had in new york a, i had moved studios like four or five times since i lived there or maybe long, maybe even more than that yeah and but i'd always had like like the band storage unit and then my storage unit mm. and then this other storage unit and when i finally was moving <laughs> i like went to these storage units and then realized i'd been paying all that money for all these years and i was like wait i haven't seen any of this shit Right. In so long, and half of it I threw. Funny thing was, the storage unit guy was laughing at me because I'd paid for that place for like 15 years, came and then like took two things out and said, okay, let's throw this out. He's like, that'll be another grand. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> throw it out. Oh, so anyway, a lot of it was like old like CDs and like like boxes of like things and old merch and stuff. Oh, and, but uh, when um, I moved out here, I actually had more space, but I got rid of, I moved a lot of my stuff here, but then I sold, like got rid of a lot of stuff like that had been in nooks and crannies over the years. And, um, so I kind of like, even though I have more space, I actually purged a lot of stuff and got rid of the things I wasn't using. And yeah. Fuck those, cr- it, fuck those crannies, dude. I, I'm down with nooks, but fuck <laughs> crannies. <laughs> Get rid of those crannies. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, man, having having uh, my own space has been so good. And now, like, digital gear is so good. Like, I, I got rid of a lot of my, you know, I, I know that having a real board and a real console is nice if you have the space, but, you know, now I just have, like, a bunch of random outboard gear and some decent mics, and you can make records, man. You can make great-sounding records with not a lot now. Oh, my God. The Mac Ayers, you, we mentioned him earlier. He was in town yeah. for, like, a week uh, this last week, and... I mean, kid's like 24. Like I have, yeah, I have, I love him. He was another guy. He came over and we laughed, like we instantly, we were just like laughing and making beats and I really love him. He's great. An absolute legend. Young kid, man. I got pubes older than him (laughs) and he's just kind of like, it's funny because my studio evolution came from originally like making beats right on yeah, in like yeah. cubase yeah 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 and like loving that and then i made a record with like a live band yeah that people started paying attention to when i first met you that was like a live record band and i was like oh well that's yeah. just how i have to make records now i just have yeah. to make a record with like live drums live bass li- like everything has to be yeah, played yeah. in the room at the same time yeah. And Mac came over for a week and was just like, oh, I mean, he kid does everything in his room in like Temecula yeah. and it sounds incredible. Yeah. And he doesn't got to like yeah. schedule a drummer and like schedule. Nah, a bass. Yeah, I was yeah. like, he just showed me all these epic tricks in the studio that were like, oh my God. Dude, like, I'm- Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I've always been doing that. But now the level that you can do it at is so incredible, man. Yeah. 
It's like, and I still do use live. My last record, like me and Jamos made that entire record in a lap in the laptop. Yeah, you know, because that was that was that one was like kind of the test. I was like, let's see if we can make an entire record this way. Um, with the new record, you know, Otis has his studio where he has the drum kit and all that stuff. But like, so much of it was like, I'll program something, build the whole track up, but then we'll replace certain things. Um, but yeah, like Victoria Canal, who I think you know too, like she made yeah. her last record. She made that basically on her laptop, you know, the lo- logic. And I watched her like piece that together and she's she incredible by my place and do vocals in my place and whatever. But most of it was just done like that. And like, it's, uh, it's definitely like leveling the playing field. You don't need yeah. like a budget to make records anymore. It's like if you've got the time and the 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 skill set, you know. I think you can, that's such a cool thing that you yeah. say leveling the playing field because I've yeah. felt through this pandemic that like door to the heavens has opened up where I'm like, oh, like I don't need to like wait around for this company that has a budget to sh- no. knock down my door and be like, Oh, we're going to do a TV show with you. Like we will give you this much money. We'll own it. And we get to tell you what you get to do, but you can do it. You can do a TV show. Finally. It was like, what yeah. if I just like made my own TV show? Or what if I just didn't wait around for the label to go like, Oh yeah. So we, we're going to put you in the studio with this person. And like, here's the budget. And what if I just do it myself? And I think that, yeah, technology has allowed us that freedom, which is so hip, man. It's so exciting to see 10 years forward and go, oh, man, like distribution. Nobody holds the key for that anymore. Um, yeah. The studio costs, those aren't high anymore. You can do it on your phone. Uh, it's 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 really cool. Does it? Do you feel, though, because as somebody who's so, like, the records you've made throughout your career, Kraz, are some of my favorite records ever. And you've, you always play with a rhythm section, like the yeah. drums, bass, and guitar, drum, organ, guitar. Soul Live is like organ, guitar, drums. Yeah, it's always live, and that thing that 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 thing that you can create on a stage. Yeah, you can't recreate that like with a laptop. No, no, and yeah. Do you, do you, uh, I mean, you must miss that. And I would imagine that's always going to be a part of your experience. I definitely, yeah, you cannot recreate that energy. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but there are way, like, you know, the way I think that technology is getting better and better in terms of like the stuff that is my new record sounds like we were live. You know what I mean? Um, of course, you know, it has a different energy to it, but you know, I'm like, we're interacting, mm. you know, and the drums and the bass and the guitar are interacting. Um, so yes, we're, we're creating things that still have that vibe, but yeah, there's nothing like being in a room mm. with a band, you mm. know? And, and that's the thing is like, and when we, like we said earlier, I hope that this goes back to like a hybrid type of situation where we continue to take the best things out of the lockdown. But, um, but also, you know, like I can't wait to actually like play with a band, right? you know, and play live. You know, I always have kind of – and this is something I actually want to ask you too is like I over time now have like kind of com- compartmentalized like that the album – and the live performance can be two completely different things, you know, like for so long I was worried about, Oh, can I pull this off? And like, can I do this? And, mm. uh, uh, but 
you know, I have gotten to the point now where I just like, of course I want the song to be recognizable Mm. live, Mm. but I kind of like open up the live thing to be completely different. And I know that like your live shows are like unbelievable. Every time I see you, it's like this trajectory that's like insane. Um, but do you, do you think about that when you're creating your records in terms of like, are you like, okay, I got to make sure I can pull this off live. So don't do too much of this back with these backgrounds or are you, are you like conscious of that when you're making Yeah, I think I have been conscious of it before, but, um, I've always wanted the ticket buyer to get something extra because they're giving, they're, they're, they're buying something extra. They're buying an experience where they're leaving their home and they're standing in a sweaty, uncomfortable place for however long they have to in order for me to be on stage and so I've always wanted it to be a a, a step above the record yeah um but I also always was really anal about the record feeling like human and right. live right I'm not so much connected to that as much as I used to be. I used to be like, if it's not a live drummer in real time playing, like no, you know, there's no samples and nothing. Um, I'm not so much connected to that on the record tip anymore. Um, and yeah, I think that they both can live separate lives. I think as long as the top line is there, as long as the melody is there of the vocal or the guitar or whatever that hook is, then as a music lover, I'm, I'm uh I'm excited to see that. Although I did I, I saw Lauren Hill one time in um Park City of all places. Right. And she did the miseducation, but she flipped every song like to the point where it was unrecognizable. And yeah. I was so pissed. Mm. I saw that same exact thing. <clears throat> I saw her in Brazil actually when we were down there. And she didn't, she just, and she wouldn't even do the whole song. She'd do like snippets and she would always do it over like a Bob Marley song or something Mm. or like over another track. Yeah. There's, there's times where it's extreme Mm, like that. Yeah. There's times when you really want to hear the song. That's for sure. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think there's a balance to it that you don't want to make, but I, I, you know, I guess like what I'm saying is like, I'm not, I don't limit myself in the studio, um, anymore. I, I'm kind of just like, let's use these tools. Mm, yeah. Cool. I also, I also have to be conscious not to do too much. Right. You know, cause sometimes you don't want to clog it up with too much information, but, um, right. Yeah, and you I've don't, been, you don't want to lose it on, on, on stage either too. I've th- I think right. about that a lot, really, honestly, like, just like, am I going to be able to have, Cause I, I, I don't want to use tracks as yeah, much as yeah. possible. Right. And there's moments where it's just, it's helpful and it's, and it's can, yeah. can make the song or the performance really stand out. But, yeah. uh, I want to use it as little as possible, like maybe little percussion elements or just, yeah. just have a click in our ears so that the lighting tech can trigger things in the right order, you know, yeah. every yeah. night the same way. So when I'm in the studio, the one thing that I get like really hinged on is like, how many people am I going to need to travel with in order to pull that off? That's it. It's (laughs) not like, can I recreate that live? It's just literally like, I can't afford to travel with like nine background vocalists. So I'm only going to lay down two stacks, you know? Right, right, Um, right. Which I don't 
Yeah, I don't think that's ridiculous because I want to get at least close to the record when I'm performing live. Like, I don't right. want to do a song that's so big on the record, and then when people come and see it live, it's like, what? That that doesn't compute, really. Um, Let me ask you this. Are there songs on your records that you love on the record that don't quite do what you want it to live, or vice versa? Yeah. You know, are there songs that you thought were sleepers on the record that just jump off live? Absolutely. Usually the ones that jump off live that are sleepers on the record they're only sleepers on the record just because of like the view count the, i right. was always like oh that song you're, fire you're always into it because yeah, i, I know it. that it's gonna pull be pulled off well live yeah. but um yeah there's plenty of songs on the record that that everybody loves or that people feel and i just i can't figure out how to pull them off live mm. like they just right. don't work live yeah. um but i I switch them around enough. Like we just, ch I just change them. I just change yeah, them enough. Yeah, and yeah. as long as the top line's there and it's like relatively close on the BPM, like I feel like people can groove with them. I don't know. I, I don't take a review of every single participant in my show after they leave and, and be like, what did you think? <laughs> so what did you think? Yeah. Did you three? like the, yeah. the beef bouillon? <laughs> what did you think of that review? Um, so when's this record come out, Kraz? You sent me the it's files. It's yeah, it's not happening until September because mm. of like um, you know COVID, and I'm actually signing a new record deal like right now. Mm. So it's just like so it's it, but I'm excited about it. I'm like just working on the artwork right now. Going to do some videos, and um, but I'm also like producing. I actually made another record like after that one. That's an instrumental record. Oh, sick. Um, that's gonna that might actually come out before that which is kind of insane but and then i've been just make, producing a ton of other stuff and producing james the eighth uh, this yeah. artist so I, I think you met james yeah i've, I've met um, him he's god he's killer he's he's dope and he's like the one dude who's been over here he's like in my pod right mm. but he like lives down he lives down the street so like we've been kind of like we have three or i think we've we've got so many tracks but we're going to do three eps over the next year Oh, awesome. Uh, and they all have like different concepts to it. So that's been really fun, like building that with him. We've been working together for like two years building mm. stuff. But like we finally kind of like have things in like a – he started like coming up with a concept for this current EP. And we just like decided, okay, let's just finish those tracks, mix those, put those out, and then we'll start to leak the other stuff, put the other stuff out. Um and uh, what else have I been doing? I mean, it's just been a ton. I'm working with Mark Broussard, actually. No uh, way. So uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, on his stuff, which will be cool. We're kind of just starting, so we have like a few oh, tracks. And nice. We're that's like going to be writing, so sick. Writing via satellite and uh, doing some production stuff, oh, so always, that's going to be fun. It's always been the one thing about Mark Broussard that I've always just like – he, he's my favorite – one of the like, top five singers, like Desert he's Island singers. Yeah. And I've always been like, I just wish that he would get with a cool producer. Like this one's gonna be, this one's gonna be cool, man. We've like, we've already started going. Like the last couple that we got on are like, oh shit, now we're like on some shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know? Do you remember so that? I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have Otis, my my guy, like playing drums and, uh, and doing some that's some mix, so you know, cool, like adding to the vibe. <laughs> Can you send me some of that shit? Is that possible? Uh, yeah, man. I, it's still so rough. Um, you need a, you need a cameo, have, like, something. Well, can i sing on one of the tracks shit. i know he'd be so he's a huge fan of yours in fact i think when i like posted something or i think it might have been the mexico trip 
he was like, oh, your homies are Alan. Like, link me up, bro. It's yeah, he old, calls so, yeah. me randomly like every eight months and has like this business idea that I'm like, well, whatever, dude, I'm in. Let's go. And yeah. Then yeah. I just don't really always, hear from him. He's always, he is always <laughs> thinking like that. Like he was like talking to me about like NFTs and shit before. <laughs> it's, it's funny because he's from Louisiana, like in the cut, but he's always like got like the next level, <laughs> like business ideas and shit. Um, yeah. It's always above my head. I'm like, whatever, include me, man. I'm cool. And then <laughs> yeah, I'm just never here. Um, God, that's so, so cool. cool. The one, my, the Mark Broussard record, all of his records are fire, incredible yeah. songwriter, but the, <clears throat> to me, the coolest record he ever did was the save our soul record. Do you remember that yeah, SOS man. record that, uh, that Calvin did? Do you yeah, remember Calvin? I played guitar. I played guitar on um, a couple of those tracks. I think I know I played on like the Donny Hathaway track. Oh god! Uh, yeah, of course you did. Course that you was did. like yeah. the coolest record to me. It was yeah, like, so dude, and it was because Calvin. It was like, I mean, it's Mark, yeah. right? But like, yeah, yeah, Calvin's so hip. Dude, Calvin is one of the, I. I call him Killer Cal. He plays so bad. That he plays. I mean, he's one of my favorite bass players. But all just his ears are just incredible the song on that record too that's my favorite is the original coming from the cold oh, oh god damn that it, dude. is the joint yes. i've always been like yo every time i'm with mark and we have a chance i always want to play that song mm. he's like he's always oh, thinks i'm so a little good. crazy because i'm like a super fan of that song <laughs> i love that whole good. record all, uh, all and then he did volume two which i'm not as familiar with he did like a, a sequel to that i don't know if you knew that oh no did i didn't know save that. our soul like two wow. um that's more uh i think that's was in the the last few years but yeah he's just got one of those voices just like timeless classic like so good yeah he's he's a he, he was one of the first live shows i ever saw like i think wow just growing up in a small town like the only live shows that you could get were in spokane where we currently are but that was like an hour and a yeah. half from where i grew up right right and right. the first live show proper live show i ever saw that wasn't like you know bill gaither band or some like him singing shit was johnny lang was the first oh, yeah, one yeah. i ever saw and then right after that it was mark broussard and um oh god why am i forgetting his name uh he's a friend of ours too he's in that like jack johnson camp um blues player but oh, hip -hop. g love g love yeah g love yeah, was yeah. was the headliner nice and there was may i mean it was spokane washington so there was maybe 30 people there and i remember wow. just listening to mark sing just like fuck dude it, yeah it's so powerful he's so powerful <clears throat> pure just like yeah soulful cat soulful yeah, cat super. when's I'm that when's that gonna come out do you have I any mean, idea we're just yeah, just, just getting started digging in cool so uh, who knows you know, we were supposed to make that this record pre-covid we had plans to make it in new orleans originally mm. well i think he was maybe going to come to la right with me and then we were going to go to new orleans to cut it but uh like it was like you know right before it was like planned for like the april may of 2020 so when covid hit we like scrapped it and then we were kind of just, and then in the last couple of months, we're like, well, what if we just start making it via satellite, you know? Um, and so we just kind of been digging in. That's so cool, man. I can't, that, that's like the best news. Yeah, I've that's heard. super fucking cool, man. I'm pumped about that. I'm so amped to hear that record. That's yeah. going to be sweet. Yeah, man. But yeah, it's been, it's been fun to like, 
like like again doing things like that and i've been i'm doing other writing sessions i wrote a few tracks with marcus king um for his new record and he when he was out he was like the other cat that i saw when when uh when he was out here and we've done it we've done a couple sessions and you know it's like people are opening up to the idea of doing stuff virtually and then like some people will you know hopefully soon people will be able to like make stuff in person and um you know man until until like the travel completely opens up we just do do what we can man. yeah totally it's cool to listen to you man because it just i don't know it's it's uh I, I have a lot of admiration for you because it seems like you've been putting in your time for so long beyond even like the length of time that Alan and I have even been doing anything mm. with our lives. Um, and it seems like at this point you're kind of arrived at exactly where you want to be and with, with doing what you want to be doing and, you know, even having kids at a at a societally kind of like late period of your life it's just like it seems like it's all by design for you and you're exactly where you want to be doing the things you want to be doing and really making the most out of this experience and it's fucking awesome man it like gives me a lot of inspiration and hope and i don't know man like you're a fucking goddamn legend dude it's really cool i appreciate that man really cool i mean i think it's like i mean remembering to show gratitude at all at, at all times i mean not that i did that when in my younger years but i think that's like think something that's been instilled in me over time is like give gratitude as much as you can and you're just going to be happy. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're always going to have up and downs. But if like, when you get out of bed, you're like, Oh man, this is pretty good. You know what I mean? It's pretty tight. You know, I get to make music, you know, I got a great wife. I got a good family. I think that's the thing, man, is it's like, it's hard to like stay grounded. You know, a lot of times when I was younger, every time like something cool would happen, I'd like, rather than spend the time, loving that thing i would it was right to the next thing like what's gonna be doper than this yeah. this was dope i like i wanted this for so long i got it it's dope but what's next, next yeah. you know i think you know it's like taking that time to chill and appreciate it. i think that's another thing that happened during like covid was like you know and for me it was like compounded with like doing a podcast because i spoke to really awesome people all the time but it was like just giving thanks for all the cool things that i've done you know, and of course, it's not nearly as cool maybe as like Keith Richards, but it's pretty fucking cool. Sure, it is. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think like that's part of it for me, man. Is like getting to a point where you can appreciate not only the things that have happened, but the things that are happening. Mm. You know, good yeah. on you, Chris. Crush. Well, dude, I can't. I can't wait till we get to take our families to Cabo and yes. just. <laughs> Have and some tell te- them like have some more half tequila stories. Yeah, I don't tell them anything. <laughs> uh, we just we we set them loose on a on a. Do you remember that meal we had with with Bruce? Oh yeah. And I forget the name of that restaurant, but oh that, no, it was. Oh wait, I gotta think of it because it's a famous place, bro. We took like a. I felt like we were about to get kidnapped on our way out there because we took yeah. like unmarked vans oh flora farms flora farms that's what it was (laughs) that place was epic that was the greatest meal i've ever had in my life yeah that was insane i've i've so you know i've gone back like three times (laughs) to cabo (laughs) 
Yeah, to that to El Gonzo. Like I went back the next time I went back, they gave me the 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 like fucking Escobar suite, like where like <laughs> nice, the one Bruce dude. had, oh, where yeah. I had, like my own freaking pool and shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, they unlocked like the the back the other area that I didn't even know existed the first time. But uh, yeah, I went back to Flora Farms, and uh, and dude, that place is the most epic. So there's a huge garden, and like all the f- most, pretty much all the food is grown right, right on there, the property. Yeah, that was, was a, that was those were some fun times, man. That was the really most bonkers time. meal I've ever had in my life. I, I was glad that you told me Flora Farms. Now is El Gonzo because didn't did the owner not pass away? The owner, yeah, the owner passed away, Pablo, and it still exists though. It's still going, okay. and they have like they have some of the same like management people are running it, um, but Mark's no longer there. Gotcha. They've got the studio, and they've got like they they're still doing like the in residence like artists. But okay. yeah, Pablo, the guy who it was his vision to have like create this um, this uh, you know hotel that was also like an arts center and music place yeah. so i think they're still doing it it's just uh different different peeps different ownership can i come with you guys when you go back absolutely not we <laughs> should go back we should <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not um fuck i went back yeah i went back with my band and we did like one of those videos and um i should go back and watch that video you know there, there's there is a video online of me you and swatty yeah. doing a couple of your songs yeah it's great yeah. i'm like just super sunburned <laughs> yeah i'm like burnt and drunk you know? <laughs> best way to be I'm a, uh, i was like oh there's a video <laughs> was, uh, oh yeah that's why we're here i mean that's why guys why we're here for the video that's why we're here remember I think like I, I got I got I think I was like bruised like from some of those hangs. I, was, I do remember I remember yelling "sissy" from like the floor, of, oh, you know, of we were, like the cement somewhere. Uh, we were up in the like our rooms were on like the fifth floor, and I remember yelling down to the pool, "sissy." <laughs> I know. And then we performed that night, and everybody was like, wasn't that the fucking idiots yelling <laughs> sissy? <laughs> I know. They did not know what they were getting into, giving us the key to that place. And that was the thing. I was I'd be like, anybody want to the studio? It's right here. And I, like, that, that I was in charge somehow. I was like, <laughs> I was like it's just over here. I'm going downstairs. This, this is the console. We're turning it on right here. It's so good, man. Yeah, that oh, was man. that was good times, man. Good memories. Um, well, Kraz, dude, I love you to pieces, man. It's always really great too, to brother. to catch up with you. Um, give your family my my love, and I can't wait to meet them in in person. And I know, man. Plan, Let's do uh, it. We'll make plan. we'll make it work. We'll uh, do a little studio sesh, fam sesh. Fan Hang. vacation, man. Yeah, yeah and then when it. this thing straightens out, man, we need we're we're fiending to get you up here on live at the lodge. We've been doing some fun things up. I up would love way. to, man. I'll pop up there. Hell yeah, hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, right anything on. anything lastly that you want to include to the um, several viewers we have? <laughs> nah, man. You know, just I appreciate what you guys are doing, man. I appreciate what you guys are doing. You can find whatever I'm doing just looking up my name, Eric Krasno. I got the podcast. I got some music stuff. You know, we got all sorts of goodies. 
you know, if you if you search for it and you want to take the time, I'm I'm out there. I'm out here. Yeah, you plus here. plus one with Eric Krasno. I very very highly recommend. Oh, uh, and those those of you that that don't know, Alan was on my show. He was. Yeah. You were like in the early in the early like first yeah. five or so five or six. Um, episodes I we just out, so we just talked about religion i like blacked out for it was an, an interesting conversation i listened to that one too and yeah it's, i was like fuck i forgot you were religious for so long a lot was, of people really loved that i mean that's what i kind of like on my show is that it just goes wherever yeah you know what i mean best. and like some of it's really out there and but i think it's uh, you know and again, uh, sorry one last thing i keep, keep I coming keep edging keep, button in. <laughs> come on please one thing I want to say about what you guys are doing too is like, and back to like the labels and the gatekeepers is like, it's such a cool era because your fans get to know you on another level. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, and like you making records like by yourself and you're not, not that you, not that you shouldn't make records with other people and other producers, but I think there's something personal to that, that people love mm -hmm. and see yeah. you through your, your TV show and your podcast and all the things that you're doing. Um, they get to know you on another level, and that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's so cool, man. It's it's like the best. T there's never been a better time in history to be a creative and yeah. to be inspired to make stuff. It's like it's totally. so cool. We just keep saying shit on this podcast, and we forget what we say, and then like multiple weeks later, people are like have this relationship with us based off some shit we said that we're like, oh fuck, yeah. we did say that. Oh yeah. god, maybe yeah. we should watch ourselves. Yeah, and like, no, watch, no, we should. I know. Fuck it. <laughs> I wish I could listen to myself. I I, I, have, I, I can't yeah. listen to myself yeah. talk for that long, which is because it's crazy that I'm a podcaster, and that's my feeling. But um, <laughs> yeah, on that note, I love you guys. Um, and thanks for having me on, dude. Thank Love you, you back, so man. Much. Thanks so much for being with us, dude. Eric Krasno, folks. Oh, boo-boo, did you just make it to the end of the video? Yes, you did. Do you want to see more videos just like this one, huh? Do you? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire Live at the Lodge family. Yep, yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout-out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out, patreon.com slash live at the lodge.